butt stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Poo Poo Pointless. (laughs) You can't even say it without laughing. Because it's poo poo. Poop is pretty funny. Poo Poo Pointless! Pew! That that we just got our theme song. (laughs) I'm going to remix that. Okay. I'm going to. That's the theme song now. No, no, no. Remix is when you do that later. You don't have to do it right now. <laughs> I learned it by watching you. That's true. I'm a, I'm a legendarily great beatboxer. Actually, here. Hold on. Cheers to your birthday. Oh, thank you. Way to be old. <laughs> Welcome to Poo Poo Pointless. My name's Todd. Hi, I'm Sarah. And we're doing a podcast. Partially because <laughs> we're still in quarantine and, you know, got to do something. But also, at least speaking for me personally, I have this habit of getting down internet rabbit holes and mm-hmm. finding way too many articles and reading when to... It always starts on Wikipedia, too. It's always Wikipedia's fault. Uh, it's always I read a Wikipedia article, I click every reference from that article and read all those references, and then I end up... Bottom. Yeah, like the footnotes. Mm-hmm. And I end up in some rabbit hole, and then all of a sudden I know way too much about, like, Middle East architecture or some random shit. Wabi-sabi. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Don't look it up. Okay. <laughs> Keeping that one on the back burner. Okay, yeah. And so, since we're both like this, and what tends to happen at least a few times a week is I'll walk into the room and go, Sarah, check out this thing I just learned, and it's usually completely irrelevant, and you're trying to, like, respond to work emails, and I'm like, I need to tell you about the Prussian Empire! It's almost always at, like, one o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, I just need to send these two emails and I can log off, and then all of a sudden, yeah. I just learned about this really interesting rapist! <laughs> Suddenly rapist. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're going to record it. In order to decide who goes first, please, dear God, let it not be me. What is this? Uh, I don't know. It's a coin I got in Cambodia. It says 10 on it. Okay. Shit, we didn't even go over that. All right, so we decided. For each one of these, we both have to bring something interesting to the table that we know the other one doesn't know about, mm-hmm. especially something completely irrelevant and weird that we just happen to have read too much about. I've got something I know way too much about for no reason, except I got interested in it randomly. I'm sure you have something like that, too. Yep. And we are going to educate each other. <laughs> Attempt to. And laugh at poop jokes. I, you can't help it. <laughs> so, who's flipping? You flipping? I'm flipping. You're choosing because it is your birthday. Okay. Or do you want to flip? No, you can You can have it. Are you sure? Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, I want to flip. Touch the coin. I'm doing it. <laughs> Heads. Keep. I go first. Yes! <laughs> yes. So, I would like to talk about the Eddystone Lighthouse. Oh, okay. Is this anything you've ever heard of before? The name rings a bell, but nothing that I've ever researched or thought about. Yeah, well, me neither, generally speaking, because I'm not, like, I'm not an architecture buff. There are people who are really into buildings, you know, or here's, I really like the history of the Parliament building. I'm not, yeah. like, that. And I'm also, it's, I'm not into nautical history either. Like, there's people who are into boats and lighthouses See, and weirdly shit. I am, because I grew up on the beach. That's what I was going to say. You know way more about boats than I do. I, I have a weird feeling that, like, you're going to get, like, 45.8% way through and I might recognize something. I kind of don't think so, because this is all very old history. Okay. Do you know my relationship with history is non-existent? So. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> So off the very south coast of England, there's a major city there, Plymouth, you've heard of Plymouth, Mm -hmm. 12 miles out into the ocean past that is the Eddystone Rocks, Mm -hmm. and they're a reef, a very small reef. Does that have coral? No, 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 it's a a stone reef. Is that a coral reef? Not a coral! (laughs) No, it's a stone fucking reef. Okay. Uh, That just means shit in the ocean, it doesn't necessarily mean coral, so it's a bunch of big fucking rocks, right? Mm -hmm. The problem with these particular big fucking rocks is that they are just below the surface of the water at high tide. No, we know. So for about three and a half hours a day they stick up out of the water mm-hmm. at least the highest ones do there's a whole bunch of these but the highest like four or five rocks stick out of the water for three and a half hours a day the rest of the time they're just below the surface of the water and all around them is nothing else but open deep ocean 
and they're 12 miles offshore. I mean, you're 12 miles offshore. You can, you cannot see the shore. This is almost like a volcano. There's just like two tectonic, just pushed up some earth and was like, here are rocks. I have no fucking clue the geological history of this place. It just, just the first thing I'm looking at. It just wound up like that. Okay. Um, it probably was tectonics. I'm not sure. But for some fucking reason, mm-hmm. bam, in the middle of open ocean are these big fucking rocks that are, that are just below the surface all day long. It's a little dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. First of all, because Plymouth is a huge fucking port. Mm. There's a British Navy base there that's been there for, you know, since the advent of the British Navy when they were all using sailing ships, which is kind of where this all starts. Major fish trade, big fishing port, you know? It's also a big hub of travel. So you can, mm. to this day, you can catch ferries there to France and Spain. Cute. It's a huge bustling port with this fucking time bomb out there in the water. I remember ferries. Sorry, I miss going on ferries. Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, the little glittery things. I was like, <laughs> come back. Come back. No, I Going to I'm talking about boats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fairies. <laughs> okay. Yes. But, but but fairies back in the day were just big ass sailboats full of human beings. I thought they were tiny. No, like a like a the fairies now are pretty big. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Big fucking rocks. Okay. Middle of the ocean. 12 miles out. Very dangerous. Plymouth. Particularly dangerous. Got it. Because the south of England Mm -hmm. is the English Channel. Yes. You know what the English Channel is? Water. Okay. So (laughs) if you sail directly south out of England, keep sailing 100 miles, you hit France. Mm -hmm. So between England and France, there's this 100 mile wide on average chunk of water, which is basically the gateway to the rest of Europe. So Mm -hmm. anybody sailing in from the Pacific Ocean, for the most part, they're going through the English Channel. Yes. So it's not just Plymouth Harbor going in and out. It's everyone going crossways, trying Mm -hmm. to get to Germany and Belgium and the Netherlands. So there's a ton of boats crisscrossing this water this way, as well as a ton of boats leaving the harbor this way, and the rock is bang in the middle. Who's got to be in charge of that? Jesus. Well, so the thing is, fuck, somebody's got to build a lighthouse on this thing, right? Uh, and there is one. I love lighthouses. There is currently a lighthouse there. For hundreds of years, there was not. Because how the fuck do you build a lighthouse on a rock that's underwater? It's partially submerged half the time. How the hell do you build a lighthouse there? So for the vast majority of England's history, there was no lighthouse there because they'd have no way to do it. And so what they would do, they just had a dot on the map, dangerous rocks here go around. Mm. But, you know, remember this is also when people were navigating by compass and with those little fucking, you know, those little things pirates use, like a little, they're like a little thing, they look up at the stars and they like measure their location based on like the North Star I on this thing. Unconscious rule that we're not allowed to Google things when we're doing this. We're not allowed to Google things while we're doing it. Uh, yeah, um, a spearmint. Atlas. The Connecticut. It's, it's not going to happen. Okay, that thing. Yes. That's all they had. That in the compass, and so it was really easy to not be where you think you are. Mm-hmm. And paper maps, you know. <laughs> It was really easy to, to, to fuck up and not be quite where you think you are. And also, if you're not used to the area, because again, this is major international trade. People are coming from everywhere to go into this port and go through the channel. And it, a lot of people just weren't familiar with it, or their maps were wrong, or their maps were old, or they weren't where they thought they were. Mm-hmm. The point is, nobody knows quite how many boats sank on the rocks. Their estimates vary pretty wildly. There are a few names of boats that we know sank by hitting those rocks. Give me some boat names. All right, these are great, because they're old tiny. Right? Yeah, makes sense again. And keep in mind, it's kind of funny, because they're goofy names, but also, so each one of these boats are massive sailing vessels that hit these rocks and had several dozen, if not a hundred people on board. So the boats we know were lost include the Half Moon, the Coronation, the Herich, the Constant, the Snowdrop, the Marseille, the Pelican, and my favorite, the Grampus. Gra- Grampus? Grampus. Like Krampus with the G. Like Grandpa Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. But, <laughs> but each one of those is like 50 to 100 people dead. Uh, uh, well, okay. To... To the Grampus. To the Grampus. 
So here's the things we know about those names. Okay. Those ships we know sank there because a survivor made it to shore and said they sank there. Oh. Because this is pre-radio. So there were survivors. This could be one person, mind you. But well, every single one of those ships, one's better than at least one person, probably a boat full of people or two boatfuls, whatever, yeah. were able to get in rowboats and make it to shore, come back to Plymouth and okay. say, hey, we sank on the Eddystone Rocks. Yeah. So there's dozens of ship names. That's the ones we know hit the rocks and sank. There's probably plenty bad night. This We're talking, this is like the 1600s. Oh, yeah. So these are so far out to sea that you can't see the ship from the shore. Mm -hmm. And so it's entirely possible, especially sailing at night, hit the rocks, boat sinks, Mm -hmm. everybody dies, nobody makes it to shore. Mm And then you would never know it went down. And so there are hundreds of boats that were headed for Plymouth Harbor that were marked as lost at sea. Yeah. Because you don't know where they were lost at sea. But we're assuming. So the estimate is that over a hundred large vessels hit these rocks and sank over like a you know four hundred year period of sailing. Well, I assume there's more before them when they started record keeping. Over a hundred ships estimated to have sank there. Several thousand people are estimated to have died on the Eddystone Rocks or around the Eddystone Rocks from their ship hitting them and sinking. I would not want to live in a lighthouse around there. Imagine how haunted that shit is. Exactly. Now, here's the thing. The folks in Plymouth don't consider it haunted. They just consider it history. This is England. Any square foot in England, a hundred people have fucking died there. <laughs> we don't quite have that here because the country's history is so young. At least the violent history is pretty young. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's such a small island with such a long history. Every building in England, a hundred people have died there. They don't have the same thing here where they go, this is a cursed location. But if anywhere was cursed. Yeah, that. Especially in terms of nautical stuff. I mean, fuck, the London dungeons are cursed as fuck. But if there's any nautical location in England that's the, the most cursed places the Eddystone Rocks. Nautical people are very open to the idea. We're, we're getting there. Oh, stop. So because there's so many deaths and so much, so many shipwrecks at this one set of fucking rocks, okay. for years sailors would, instead of just like avoid that dot on the map, if they were going through the channel, instead of going right up the middle, they would hug the shores of France because they knew passing the England side was cursed and every other boat wouldn't make it through. But, and that's not necessarily true. It was one small patch of rocks, but so many fucking ships had just disappeared. You don't mess with it. So they would take the coast of France. It's like when you see a haunted house and you just completely cross the street right. and you're just like, nah, you're right, right, right. So there. there was a big superstition, like, you know, those old sailor sayings, you know, yeah. if, you're, if you're doing the channel, take the French side. Yeah. Well, here's the problem with the French side. It's rocky as fuck. And so, you know, if a hundred boats went down and 5,000 people died on the heavy stone rocks, more died trying to avoid them because the coast of France is worse. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're not doing this right. It's, it's a cruel irony, right? That's so bad. <laughs> Uh, actually, so many ships sank uh, around the Eddystone Rocks that it is an incredibly popular area now for historical divers. I'm not sure. Because there are just so many shipwrecks. You will explore a random area anywhere within, you know, five nautical miles of that, mm-hmm. and you'll find a shipwreck from 1690, a shipwreck from 1720, and then, like, all the way back 1492, and there's so many boats that they thought lost forever that were apocryphal or legendary that they mm-hmm. found at the Eddystone Rocks. So the divers love this spot oh, in a morbid way, you know. Well, but again, what are you going to do? You can't fucking build a lighthouse on it. And along comes this motherfucker. And I love this guy. Henry Winstanley. What's he actually English? His name's Henry Winstanley. You know yes, what? he's Tom fucking English. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Winstanley. Okay. Indeed. Not the third? Uh, no, just the first, as far as I can tell. Good for All him. Right. Born in 1644 mm-hmm. in Essex. Mm. Henry Winstanley was not an engineer or an architect. He didn't build buildings, didn't build lighthouses. He was an artist. Oh. He was a painter, and he did engravings. And through engravings, he got hired to do engravings of buildings. And so he became fascinated with engineering. Not architecture, mind you. Not really building buildings, mm-hmm. but he was great at drawing buildings. And he became fascinated with mechanics. Interesting. This guy is fucking Willy Wonka. He's 1600s. Okay. British.
image, Willy Wonka, all right? That uh, is an image. He became fascinated with, like, weird uh, engineering principles. I imagine, like, a 1970s Gene Wilder, which is hair down to his waist, but for some reason he's British. Right, yeah, but and he has no education in, like, mathematics or science or engineering or anything. He's a painter, but he goes, I love mechanics, and I love gadgets, and I love physics. And so what he ends up doing is collecting all of these funky, weird gadgets from around the world, just, like, little automatons and little robots and machines. Okay. He has a house built called the Essex House of Wonders, and you could go there. And I feel like I've heard of that. It's not around anymore, but it was well known yeah. at the time. And you could go there and look at Henry Wynn Stanley's massive collection of interesting gadgets, uh, the most famous of which is the Wonderful Barrel. <laughs> Okay. And the wonderful barrel was a barrel <laughs> that was wonderful. No, such, <laughs> such an ass. The wonderful barrel was a barrel that could dispense hot or cold drinks at the push of a button. What? Stop it! Blue mines. So they had a water cooler. Yeah, this is kind of like going to like Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> But it was, you'd go to crazy Henry Wynn Stanley's Weird House of Gadgets, yeah. and it was like a tourist attraction. Okay. That was one of his biggest successes. I'm not going to knock it. His other big, well-known success was Wynn Stanley's Waterworks. It was a pyrotechnics and fountain show, like they do at Disney now. Oh. You know where they do the big fountain and the fireworks? Oh, I was imagining a museum of just water coolers. No, 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 no. It was somewhere in London. Okay. Yeah, and you would go to Wynn Stanley's Waterworks, and uh, because he was so interested in engineering and stuff like that, and, just, and, and gadgets, and he was a technology guy. Yeah, and so he, he had this giant show where there'd be, there'd be fountains that would go up, and there'd be fireworks that would would go off simultaneously with like music That's and stuff cool. and it, it basically like pioneered that idea so now Henry. when you go to Disneyland and they have that big show around the lake where there's the water that goes off yeah. and the that's all... Henry Wynn Stanley invented that. Interesting. So, what does that have to do with lighthouses? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you're, you're, you've taken me on a journey and I need to be redirected. I could do a whole thing on Henry Wynn Stanley. You should. He's, I he's... promise to not research him. All right. So, with some of the money that he had made through his fantastic gadgets and waterworks... And water coolers. He opened a merchant shipping company. Oh. Because it's a good investment. Did one of his ships hit the... Sorry. He had five ships. Two of them sank at the rocks. <laughs> and he got pissed. I would Henry Wynn Stanley, you know, I just I picture Vinci him. As, boys. Just picture him as Gene Wilder with a big curly wig on. It works way easier. I, I will always he picture gets, Gene Wilder in a British accent. <laughs> he gets pissed off and he goes, "Why on earth are my ships going down in calm seas against these rocks? Why is there no lighthouse there?" The Brits in general are going, "Well, how do you build a lighthouse on something that's underwater except for like three and a half hours a day? Yeah, there's no there's no way to do it. Sorry, but we we haven't figured it out yet. And so in 1696, Henry Wynn Stanley goes, "I'll fucking do it." <laughs> Are you trying to find a way to make that 69? Just Trying wait. or succeeded? You just wait. Okay. So he's like, y'all do it. And like, he's the only guy crazy enough to try and do this. He gets the blessing of the British government because they're like, this guy's fucking crazy enough to do it. And so, yeah, so he gets a, a military ship to like escort him and his crew out there. And they can only work for three and a half hours a day because that's when the rock is exposed, um, at least to do the foundation. <laughs> and his wacky idea was to drive these huge fucking iron poles into the rock. You know, wait till it's above water, <laughs> drill down into it, put these 12, like, 50-foot-tall... poles. Yeah, yeah, stanchions, they're called. But basically, big mm -hmm. fucking poles. So you have these big fucking poles sticking out of the rock that'll still be above water when it's, you know, underwater. And then he builds the foundation out of granite until it gets to the point where, you know, when the high tides come, the granite's still sticking up, and mm -hmm. from that, they build the lighthouse. Smart. It wasn't super sound, which we'll find out later. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, this is the first time a lighthouse had ever been built not on land. Mm -hmm. It's the first time in history. Mm -hmm. 1696. Or, uh, sorry, uh, 69, 16, 69, 69. Mm -hmm. Do you like that better? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Anyways, Granite Foundation builds the rest out of wood, and because he's sort of fanciful, wacky, Willy Wonka type, it's not just a circular lighthouse like a regular one. It's an eight-sided lighthouse, oh, God. and okay. each facade has fancy ornamentation on it. Of course. This thing's about 60 foot high in total, so... Out of wood? The base is granite, and then there's wood above that. In the middle of the ocean. Shh, 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 shh. 
See, this is what I'm saying. I read this and went, sure. And you're a fucking, oh, uh-uh, you're, uh-uh. you're an ocean girl. And you're like, uh-uh. uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> this already screams a horror story to me. Again, artist, not an architect, hey. not an engineer. He's a fanciful artist who loves gadgets and waterworks. But he was the only guy crazy enough to do it. Yeah. Um, There's a reason what is a thing. Right. So this gets crazier. The top was going to be an ornate glass room, all glass, all the windows. And it would be lit by 60 candles. Because they didn't have, you know, yeah, yeah. any other way. And so they just would light 60 fucking candles. And so li- somebody would live there and every night they'd, they'd light 60 candles. Yeah, well, that's what a lighthouse keeper is. Yeah. Their job is to keep the light on. And before there was electricity, their job was to go up and make sure the fires were burning. There was one big lamp in the middle and then 60 hanging candles. And that was enough light that you could see it. Yeah. The thing that made Winstanley even fucking crazier. He was trying to build a lighthouse on a rock in the ocean between England and France while England and France were at war. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is one of the many, I don't know if you have ever studied the Anglo-French wars. Nope, Um, I have awareness, but no There were about 25 of them. This is why, like, you go to- Is this why you always make jokes about hating the French? Yeah, because I grew up in England. Um, Yeah, yeah. I don't really hate the French, but it's a cultural thing. So the the Brits hate the French, the French hate the British. The Brits, oh, the fucking Frenchies with their snails and their croissants. And Mm -hmm. the French are always like, ah, you English pig dogs. Mm -hmm. It's like a long-standing thing, because especially in the 1600s and 1700s- I would love to see a pig dog. Every three years, we'd be like, we're at war with France. The the war would last a couple years, a lot of people would die, they would be like, okay, truce, 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 truce. And two years later, you know, Louis the whatever would say something that pissed off King whatever, and they'd go, ah, war again. And so there was like a four or five year war at the end of the 1600s, and it's the bang in the middle of that. And here's Henry Wynn Stanley out there trying to build this like goofy, ornate lighthouse in the middle of the naval battlefield. So like I said, he had the the British government on his side. So he had a British guard ship around him. Mm -hmm. They would go out there every day with the crew while they worked on the lighthouse. One day the naval battle got so bad they needed every single ship in the British fleet to sail way the fuck off to wherever. Every single ship, even the one guarding, yeah, even the one guarding, like, get all of them out here, right? And so, like, one day they boat out to work and their guard's not there. And they're like, okay, well, whatever, we'll just keep working on our lighthouse. That day, a big old French ship shows Mm. up. And they completely destroyed the lighthouse that they were working on. Shut the... F- destroyed all of their progress so far. And they kidnap Win Stanley. And they bring him back to France as a political prisoner. What? Yeah. What, what are they going to do? They're at war with England. This is a British lighthouse. And they've got a British prisoner of war. Oh my god. Okay. And they take him back to France. And they, they bring him before Louis Fourteenth, the king of France. This is 1697. <laughs> so they've been working on this lighthouse for a fucking year already. Yeah. Completely wrecked. Back to square one. And kidnapped. So they bring Henry Win Stanley in front of the Louis XIV. And they say, we have captured a English military position off the coast of Plymouth. And here we have our prisoner of war, Henry Wynne Stanley. <laughs> Gene Wilder with a like, long Gene Wilder with a big curly wig on, yeah. Okay. Wacky inventor guy. Yeah. So Louis XIV, to his credit, he'd heard of Henry Wynne Stanley. Of course, everyone knew the Eddystone Rocks. Mm-hmm. He'd heard of Henry Wynne Stanley. And he was aware that he was trying to build a lighthouse on the Eddystone Rocks. And so Louis XIV immediately commands his military to escort Henry Wynne Stanley back to the rocks and let him continue his work. Yeah. Yes! And he's quoted as saying, France is at war with England, not with humanity. Go Louis XIV! I mean, he's a bit of a con, I'm sure, but like, this wasn't just affecting the Brits. French ships sunk That there. was my first reaction. Every, I was like, why would Ships you... from all over Europe sunk there. And yeah. so, yeah, that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the famous quotes. He's helping French people, too. I wish some other would And he, he, he commanded like him to send Willy Wonka back to finish his wacky lighthouse. Yeah, along so, with some of his troops, and he's like, you guys need to rebuild this. It's your fault. Rebuild the Lego right. Kingdom. Right, so Win Stanley's <laughs> personally escorted back to his lighthouse by the French military. They drop him off, and they apologize. And they're like, all the British army's like, what the fuck? <laughs> did they help rebuild it, or did they drop them off safely. They just dropped them off. Oh. There's still a war. They didn't kill- I think the British and the French people should have like gotten together and hung out and had a couple of like beer, wines, whatever French and English people are into, and then like rebuilt it. I don't think you fully understand the French-British relationship. <laughs> Rebuild this city. <laughs> Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock's in America. Also that. Okay. Um... <laughs> 
Anyways, he completed the lighthouse. He actually completed this fucking crazy thing. Uh, November 1698, like a year later, Mm -hmm. just in time for the winter to hit. When it was finished, it stood at 60 feet tall. Again, first ever lighthouse not on land, hailed as a wonder of the modern world, and was an immediate failure because because it hadn't withstood a winter yet. Well, so the first winter hits, and again, artist, not an engineer. The waves during... The storm? No, this is a regular winter. The waves during a regular winter on the English Channel are so big that they fully sweep over the lighthouse and... And you can't see the candles. It's only 60 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Our neighbor's house is 45 feet tall. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, like... Oh, I'm, know, I'm familiar with this. And so all these ships, yeah. you can see a glint sometimes, but then the rest of the time is obscured by these massive fucking waves. Mm-hmm. The other thing is the waves strip most of the siding off. He built it out of wood. The tower doesn't fall, but it just gets heavily fucking damaged. God, you gotta build that... Like, the entire thing should be built out of, like, cement, granite, bricks... Right. Like you can't put like an organic object in the middle of the ocean well, and expect it to survive. The base was granite. But the and the base was fine. It was everything above that that got Henry fucked. Henry the Ho <laughs> has never lived on the water side, because otherwise he would know. Henry Winstanley, I will not hear a bad word about him. <laughs> Well, cause, well, keep in mind, I mean, to his credit, I talk shit about this guy because he's clearly like a wacky inventor. This is also the first time anybody ever tried to build a lighthouse at sea. Oh, total kudos. In the world. I mean, this yeah. is including like Japan. You did the thing. You're super cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. Ask somebody who's lived on... Okay. okay. So, so to his credit, they learned. Okay. So that winter was a fucking disaster. Between that winter and the next winter, <laughs> they rebuilt most of the structure above the foundation. This time they made it 12-sided, not 8-sided, mm-hmm. so that it was more of a circle. Because, yeah. you know, that's why lighthouses are circular. The wind and wind. Waves pass around them. Well, they had this big octahedral fucking ornate tower. Didn't work. Twelve sided, more like a circle. Worked out okay. Mm -hmm. And the uh, cars are circular, so the wind pressure goes above them as opposed to right. Exactly. And so that one actually worked. It held up the next winter. Mm -hmm. Great. And it stood for five years. And during that five year period, not a single boat or life was lost on the Eddystone Rocks for the first time in history. Go Henry. Uh, A winter went by with no loss of life. The reason it only stood for five years is the Great Storm of 1703. Um, You know I love a good storm. I'm. thinking about doing a whole one on the storm of 1703. I won't look it up. It's very rare for a hurricane to hit England. What? It's it's rare. It doesn't happen. They're in the ocean. No, I know, but like usually the... The, the way the air tides... Not a meteorologist, yes. but... My understanding is usually like warm hot pockets don't actually... Exist. They're always frozen in the middle. D- yes. <laughs> they don't usually travel up that far north. They don't. They're, yeah, they're, which would uh, be required for a hurricane. Yeah, it's, it's very rare. It has a very specific, weird set of weather conditions. But hurricanes do hit England every once in a fucking while. 1703 was one of those years. Mm. Now they didn't call it a hurricane at the time. They called it the Great Storm of 1703. They had barometers though, and so later people looking at the barometric readings and the wind damage, mm. they go, "Oh fuck, that was a Category Two hurricane." Big air, lots of waves. Pew. Yeah, they were like, "Oh, the seas are boiling and roaring, and <laughs> oh, the air is quite." Whip a slapper today. <laughs> like, no, it was terrible. A Category 2 hurricane hit England fucking head on. Uh, it ripped the roofs off churches in London. It Not just, the churches. It, well, it destroyed a whole beat, like, oh. whole coastal communities. Um, so, for comparison, Hurricane Katrina killed a little over a thousand people. I think it was 1,300 or so. Um, the, who they displaced and. Right, right. Not, not just displaced, yeah. but yeah, the people actually death toll yeah. of Katrina was 1,300 or so. The death toll of the Great Storm of 1703 was around 8,000. Fuck me. Because there was no preparedness for it. They didn't. Well, and their inf- 
infrastructure is not built it for didn't that, fucking and like it, their, oh, their yeah. houses aren't built for that. Like, it, there's it, it destroyed half of London. Whoa, it's a big deal. There's so much more about it. But I will we'll, not we'll skip it. Tell me one day. Well, so Henry Winstanley was so goddamn sure of his lighthouse design, and was so confident, and he wanted to put on a brave face too, because everyone was scared of this. Don't fucking tell story. me he spent the night in the fucking lighthouse. He insisted on spending the storm <laughs> not on land, but mm-hmm. in the lighthouse mm-hmm. with his crew, because he had a crew by now of like dudes who'd worked on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and his crew decided to stay in the lighthouse during the Great Storm of 1703. Well, also to keep the light on, because there were still ships out there. Aww. To keep the light on and make sure the ships didn't hit the rocks. Aww. And uh, they have no radio, so nobody knows what happens. But after the storm subsides, they send boats out there to see about the guys in the lighthouse, and the lighthouse is completely gone. Just not there. It's just not there anymore. Aww. Henry Winstanley and five other men who were on his crew uh, at the lighthouse, bodies were never found. Have they done like a dive out there to see if there was... There's no fucking way. It was a Category 2 hurricane. It just d- d- they're, demolished. They're underwater. They're somewhere out at sea. They're not going to find bones. It's so insanely unlikely. Mm. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. So, like I said, they don't call it a cursed rock, but it's it's got a very dark history. But when Stanley did die very poetically. Yes. Yes. And he did save hundreds of lives. Okay, yeah. After the destruction, you know, that was a fucking tragedy. And Henry was regarded as this legendary British folk figure to this day. Oh, I love that. To Henry. To Henry Winstanley. Henry Winstanley. So, that was the first Eddie Stone Lighthouse. There's a second one? There's four. Oh. So the first lighthouse is known as Winstanley's Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. The second lighthouse is known as Rudyard's Lighthouse. Rudyard Kipling. John Rudyard. John Rudyard Kipling. <laughs> yeah, they need a lighthouse there still. They commissioned this guy, John Rudyard, to build the next lighthouse. Because they know they can do it now. They know it's possible. It has been proven that at least for five years, barring hurricane, you can have a lighthouse there and save lives. Mm-hmm. So this dude, John Rudyard, also not an architect or a civil engineer. What are they doing? Who's the HR process in this? Okay, well, look at how they select royalty. Inbreeding? Yes. (laughs) This is England in 1700. They didn't really have this concept of the most qualified for the job yet. Okay. They would get the craziest guy who was most enthusiastic about it. Mm -hmm. John Rudyard was a silk trader. So at least he had some investment in the waters. Mm -hmm. So he built this big silk trading empire and they had some money to invest. And so he started investing in properties and building buildings. But he didn't know shit about it himself. He was just crazy and rich. Mm -hmm. And he had the right connections to people who did know how to build. He was the guy put in charge of the next lighthouse. So in 1706, three years after Winstanley's lighthouse and that whole tragedy, Mm -hmm. John Rudyard was contracted to build a lighthouse. Uh, To his credit, this time it was circular. Well done. What was it made out of? Um, Instead of being fastened with 12 iron stanchions, it was fastened with 36 giant iron bolts. Okay. The entire core, not just the base, the entire core was brick and concrete. Smart. But that's like the central supporting core of it. The outside was built of wood. Why has no one ever lived on a beach? This is 1706. There are people, there are coastal cities. Well, exactly. And so Uh, instead of hiring people who build wooden buildings to build the lighthouse, he hired shipbuilders. Okay, that's slightly better. So outside of the core was a wooden sort of hull, Mm -hmm. and he hired people who built vessels that could withstand storms. Okay. And so they built it and caulked it like a ship's hull. Okay, that's smart. Mm. And it was bigger, too, so you could actually see the fucking light. So the last one, I think, was under 60 feet tall. This one, 69. Nine feet tall. Hey! hey! <laughs> oh, you did not let me down. I thought you were messing with nope. me. Oh, no. I love you. <laughs> So it's completed in 1709. Okay. So it's a three-year build. I mean, because you only work three and a half hours a fucking day, at least on the bottom part. Yeah. Takes a while. So yeah, much better design. This one lasted 50 years. Good. Ten times longer than the first one. Why only 50 years? Yeah, I was about to ask. We brought it down. Like, where are the four of these things? Hold on, hold on. Sorry. Was it your ass? No, that was my fingernails against the... Let the record show that was our ass. Nope. Nails. Uh, that was your ass again? Yes. <laughs> uh, what's it say? War or natural disaster? I don't think you're going to get it. Uh, I... 
Um, it lasted 50 years, so it wasn't the storms. Um, the British Empire decided that they wanted a fancier thing, and so they tore it down. No. This was a tremendous undertaking. They wouldn't just decide to tear it down. Also, the Brits don't rebuild things. I went to a pub in London that was remodeled in 1603. I don't know British they, people. They don't rebuild things. Everything's just old. They wanted to turn it into a pub. More realistic, but also not right. Okay, go ahead, tell me. I'm not gonna guess it. It caught fucking fire. What? It caught fire. In the, in the middle, middle of, of the <laughs> Atlantic Ocean. And they couldn't put it out? The lighthouse burned down. Well, so here's the problem. Please tell me someone got drunk. No, 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 no. Oh, it's not even that funny. It's actually kind of tragic. Oh. Like I said, this is a dark story. The 2nd of December, 1755, at 2 a.m., it caught fire. How did they not see that it was on fire with enough time to put it out? Well, because it started at the top. So there was one spark from one of the lamps. Okay. And it hit, you know, probably a floorboard or something. And then there's so much fuel and stuff stored up there at the top. Mm -hmm. The whole top starts on fire and you know the guys are 50 feet down there and the guys who are awake are on shift or just kind of having lunch or something and somebody goes notices some sparks falling something like that goes fuck the lighthouse is yeah. on fire at sea yes Gregory we must you know yeah. like it probably blew their fucking minds because they had no protocol for what to do if the lighthouse is on fire mm -hmm. jump into the boat outside they didn't have a boat they were dropped off there to work and picked up they didn't have a fuck stop they're 12 miles out into the ocean three guys on staff and they're going well we gotta put this fucking fire out it's entirely possible we're surrounded by water and it's not at the bottom, it's at the top. So all I have to do is put the fire out at the top. There's no fucking sprinkler system. They had yeah. never thought of this. And so what these three guys do, to their credit, and these guys are all very brave so here, because lighthouse keepers are heroes. Mm -hmm. Their job is to keep the light burning mm -hmm. so that the ships don't crash and die. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at this point, we're 55 years into the history of this thing, and no boat has crashed there. And they have to keep the lighthouse burning, so they have to save the lighthouse. The lighthouse is burning. These guys are like firefighters for a single building that saves hundreds of lives. It's very important. And so these three fucking guys, they start grabbing seawater out of mm -hmm. buckets and running it up this fucking... They get a chain. 69-foot tower, getting to the top, and then yep. throwing the water up at the fire. Because they're below, they can see the boards above them burning, and they're throwing water up at the fire to try and put it out. That's like uh... Right. So the three guys, I don't know all of their names, but I know this one guy's story, because it's a very famous story in the oh. nautical sort of seafaring legendary community. So at the time, he was 94 years old. Working in a lighthouse? Old, grizzled, badass lighthouse keeper. Oh, stop my heart. He's okay. 94. What's his name? His name is Henry Hall. Stop! What? For those who don't know, we have a very good friend called Henry Hall, who is uh, an, a an incredibly good rugby player and a great guy. An amazing friend. So his... Uh, his <laughs> Apparently, he has a uh, historical doppelganger, Henry Hall, this 94-year-old badass lighthouse keeper, running up and down stairs, hurling buckets of water at a fire above him to try and put it up. That's all I'm imagining now. Well, here's where it gets horrifically sad. Oh, don't... Okay. This is why we got a refill. This is exactly why we got a refill. Oh, you knew this is coming. Okay. Mm. I'm ready. I'm um, so ready. Hit me. Don't actually. The, the lighthouse room on top, coach made of glass, mm -hmm. and all the glass is held together with lead, lead, and the roof is lead. And this whole thing has been engulfed in flame for, you know, I don't know, at this point, probably an hour or whatever. And Henry Hall is standing below this thing. <laughs> and the roof and the framework has melted, and it collapses. And so him and these two other guys are standing directly below it, staring up at it, and they are just showered with glass and molten lead. The other two got burned. They got hurt. They didn't get hurt too bad. Henry Hall, the 94-year-old, was at the front of the line, staring up with his mouth open. <gasps> and he gets just... It's like if somebody dumped a bucket of molten lead on your face. The whole left side of his face, both of his arms, his whole torso, gets just showered in molten lead. Doesn't kill him, but his mouth is open. <laughs> and so this big glob of molten lead lands in his mouth 
and like slides down his throat. Oh my god. I mean, it must be agony, right? Especially for an old guy. For any person. Right. So to his credit, Henry fucking Hall goes, oh, that hurt. We gotta get out of here. Or something to that effect. He doesn't collapse. He doesn't freak out. He just swallowed molten lava and he tells the two younger people, hey, we need to escape. Yeah, he turns around and goes, we gotta get the fuck out of here. And so him and these two younger lighthouse keepers, they run down the stairs, but they can't do anything at this point but watch the lighthouse burn. God, that's heartbreaking. They don't have a radio because it's 1750 fucking... They just had to wait all night. Right. And so they sit out there on the dock watching the lighthouse burn. Henry's burnt to shit and they wait and they wait and they wait. 10 a.m., a boat passing by goes, fuck that lighthouse is on fire, comes over there and picks all three of them up, takes them all to hospital. The other two are minor injuries and Henry Hall's treated for burns. Still alive, eight hours later... How the fuck? There's more to this. Um, so... God, you can't do this to me without a warning. <laughs> Holy shit. I like, told an epic story with lots of like death and shit in it, right? I would have... D- <laughs> so, we'll get back to Henry in a minute. No, I need to know more about Henry. I don't care about the lamps. Okay, well, we'll make it quick then. The lighthouse burns completely down, but it takes five days. To burn? Yeah. Again, this thing is 69 feet tall. Fires, bottom to top, sped very quickly. Top to bottom takes a long fucking time. Yep. And so the core is not going to burn, but the outside is just slowly burned down, mm-hmm. and nobody knows how... fucking through lacquered wood and... Yeah. Mid-1700s, they don't know how to put out a fire at sea, really. They don't have pumps and shit. And so they just, well, I guess it's fucked. And then mm-hmm. it takes almost a week, five whole fucking days for this whole thing to burn down. It's completely destroyed. How's Henry? Henry Hall. The doctors are fucking amazed he's alive, and he gets treated for his exterior burns, his skin and stuff like that, and he's recovering. He's doing really well. Was he able to tell them that he'd swallowed hot lead? Yes, he did. They didn't believe him. What? They couldn't like look in his throat and be like, "Oh yeah, that looks." Seventeen fifty-five. I could look down your throat and understand that. Well, no, they looked at his throat and they said, "You got some burns in your mouth and shit," but he was recovering very well. Like that's the thing. They treat his body, they treat his torso, his arms, his face. He's got a burnt up eye. I'm pretty sure he lost the eye. Oh, guaranteed. There's not a lot of details. The medical records kind of shitty back then. Yeah. But he's a badass. He's recovering. He's communicative. But he keeps going to the doctor and saying, "Doc." The one thing I'm worried about is I think I swallowed a lot of molten lead. And the doctors are like, it is impossible. There's no way a 94-year-old man could swallow a shitload of molten lead and just be fine because he's recovering like a champ and he'll be out of the hospital well, in a few Henry days. Because Henry Hill's a fucking badass. Right. I'm sensing a butt. He's looking great. He's going to recover just fine. You know, his eyes could be fucked, but like, you know, he's not going to be great looking. I patches. But he's responsive and he's making a great comeback. But he keeps going, doc, doc, I'm pretty sure I swallowed a bunch of fucking lead. And they say that's impossible for you to have swallowed lead at 94 years old and survived. Mm. Day 12, he dies of lead poisoning. Poisoning, okay. And they do an autopsy, and they find seven ounces of lead in his stomach. It was just sitting there. Yeah, because literally just whoop, swallowed it, and it burned like shit, and it hardened up, and it was just sitting there in his gut, and he kept saying, I think I swallowed a bunch of lead, and they you didn't, get that out they of didn't fucking surgery. believe him, because they thought mm-hmm. nobody could be so badass to be a 94-year-old to swallow that much lead and just walk it off. Unfortunately, he passed away, but you can still go and see the chunk of lead Shut the from f- his stomach. <laughs> What? At a museum in Scotland. That is morbid as fuck. British museums are amazingly morbid. To Henry Henry Hall. Okay, so that's tragic. Right. So you said there was a three and a four? That is the end of the second Eddie Stone Lighthouse, Rudyard's Lighthouse. Okay. The third Eddie Stone Lighthouse <laughs> was called Smeaton's Lighthouse. Smeaton. Smeaton's Lighthouse. Like S-C-H or S-H? S-M-E-A-T-O-N. Smeaton. Smeaton. Yeah. Like meat ton with an S. Smeaton. 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 That was my nickname in high school. <laughs> Smeaton. 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 Sweet meat ton. Sweet. Sweet. Smeaton. I am aroused. aroused. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Okay. I get tell. All right. 1756, the year after the Rudyard's Lighthouse tragedy and Henry Hall's unfortunate passing, yada, yada, yada. We still need a fucking lighthouse at this rock. They hire a guy called John Smeaton to build a lighthouse there. Mm-hmm. John Smeaton is an actual fucking civil engineer. Yeah. Finally. 
Smeaton was a genius engineer. Mm-hmm. He built the lighthouse based on the shape of an oak tree, where it's wider at the bottom. Mm-hmm. It was 72 feet tall, so slightly taller than the previous one, but not crazy tall. Yeah, not 69 um, feet. What he did was genius is he built it entirely out of granite and limestone. Thank you. And what he did is he dovetailed the bricks. Interesting. I used to be familiar with like a Japanese carpentry where Very. they don't actually use anything to hold it together. They just carve it in ways they mm-hmm. lock together. The entire lighthouse was built out of bricks that you would drop in from above and they would Very cool. They would lock together. Smart. So without any concrete or whatever, they would Hulking. hold themselves together. Even yeah, but also gives you some give too because it well, doesn't yeah, no, need to it's wiggle. It's a little flexible. Yeah. It was the lighthouse getting hit by the biggest. It's not tornado flexible. There's terrible but... weather in the English Channel. Yeah. He also invented a new kind of concrete specifically for this project Interesting. that you could pour into water. It would displace the water and then harden. Oh. So for the foundation, they poured a bunch of concrete into the middle, which pushed the rest of the water out and then hardened to keep it in shape on the rock. That's so cool. Yeah. This guy was a genius. This is not an engineering podcast, but John fucking Smeaton. Turns out you should hire people who are Turns out you should hire an engineer to build a fucking building. (laughs) Not a silk trader or an artist. So it was finished three years later in 1759, and it is one of the most famous lighthouses in the world. It is mentioned in the book Moby Dick. I think that might be why I've heard the Eddie Lighthouse. Okay. How it stands there, away offshore, more lonely than the Eddie Stone Lighthouse. Yes. Okay. So this one lasted 118 years. Damn. To put that into context, it was built before the Revolutionary War where America declared their independence, Mm -hmm. and it stood until after the end of the Civil War when the slaves were freed. Oh, yeah. That whole time the Eddystone Lighthouse was there. The end of the Smeaton's Lighthouse is not quite as exciting as the first two. I Um, hope it wasn't. There's a lot of death. 118 years later in 1877, the rock started eroding below it. The people on staff started noticing when the waves hit the lighthouse, it would shake. Oh, okay. And they were like, fuck this. So they had to tear it down and rebuild it from scratch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah, it happens every 118 years or so in England. They have to rebuild something. Turns out things erode when Um, in contact with water. Now, here's the thing. By 118 years later, like I said, it'd become this legendary structure. Mm -hmm. So many goddamn lives have been saved by this thing. It was in Moby Dick, for God's sakes, Mm -hmm. that the town of Plymouth paid to have it, instead of just broken down, thrown away, and rebuilt, dismantled piece by piece, brick by brick, pulling the dovetails apart, and then reassembled on shore in Plymouth. That's so cute. Piece by piece, perfectly. It's like we can go visit it. It still stands to this day. Oh, that's awesome. And we can go there. It's a tourist attraction. We should. There's a, there's a park in Plymouth you can go to where the Eddystone Lighthouse is just there. Oh, I love and it. And you can go in and walk up and admire the dovetailing and it's that's still so there. cool. And it was replaced by the fourth lighthouse known as Douglas's Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. James Douglas was another, thank God, actual civil engineer. <laughs> <laughs> and to his credit, he based it almost entirely on Smeaton's design. Genius is on right, but he goes, okay, Smeaton fucking nailed this. That's worth for 100 so, years, yeah. So the Eddystone Lighthouse for 200 plus years was built on this one rock mm-hmm. and Smeaton had anchored it so well to this one rock it would be such a pain in the ass to remove the base of it from that rock they built the new one on the next rock over smart the original foundation is still there mm-hmm. the fourth lighthouse Douglas Lighthouse over twice as big Smeaton's was 72 feet Douglas Lighthouse was 161 feet so it's fucking massive. Is the diameter larger or just... The diameter's a little bigger, yeah, but it's I mostly just it's mostly just taller because Smeaton's interlocking block design was so goddamn brilliant and solid and mm-hmm. lasted 118 years. Okay. They were like, we can actually build this thing taller. It's very cool. It was started in 1878 and completed four years later in 1882 and the burning question is how long did it last? The best way I can answer that is that it got a major renovation in 1980 where they added a helipad on top. Stop. Because it was built before 
flight. Yeah. And so you have to sail out there still. And they figured, well, let's put a helipad on top so we can just fly the people who staff the building out there. Mm -hmm. In 1982, it became fully computerized and automated. So they didn't actually have to have people physically there. The original structure from the 1800s? Yes. Um, Oh my gosh, what? In 1999, it was fully converted to solar power. Stop. So it's got an electric light up there. There's big solar panels on top next to the helipad. Mm -hmm. In 2019, Google celebrated it by doing a Google Doodle for its 321st anniversary. I saw that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's still there today. That's so cool. Every night there's a light on the Eddystone Rocks making sure no boat ever hits those rocks again. That's so cool. The fourth lighthouse, Douglas's Lighthouse, uh, yeah, over a hundred years later is is still there doing its thing. And the next rock over is the stub of Smeaton's Lighthouse Mm -hmm. because they could never remove that foundation. Which is still the rock that Henry Hall tried to save, which is still the rock that Henry... Winstanley. Winstanley. (laughs) Built his first crappy little lighthouse on. And uh, that's the story of Eddystone's Lighthouse. That's really cool. Fuck me. There's a sea shanty about. It. Oh, good, of course. Do you know it? Uh, uh, not off the top of my head, but I can look it up real quick. No, not a lot of Google. Okay, to the best of my knowledge. Okay. From what I can remember. All right, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to throw fucking in there. Cool. The uh, the song doesn't have fucking in it, okay? So the, the shanty goes like this. See, shanty. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, my father was the keeper of the Eddystone lights. He laid with a mermaid one fine night. Out of their fucking, there came three, a porpoise and a porgy, and the other was me. My story is way less epic. <laughs> <laughs> so the way I found out about this, our dear friend Katie messaged me about something hilariously stupid. Oh, you mean Kurt Burger? Kurt Burger. She's great. Yes. So I'm going to tell you the very recent, as of July 9th, story about Wayfair, the e-commerce store, and child trafficking. What? <laughs> I know kind of what Wayfair is. Yeah. Kind like, of. You know Bed Bath & Beyond? Yes. Okay. I went there once. The towels are fake. They're fake? Bed Bath & Beyond. They have sex towels. Yeah. If you pull them out, it's a foam cube with like a rippled edge and they wrap one towel around it to make it look like they have a ton of... I mean, that makes sense. Irrelevant. Okay. So Wayfair is that, but fancier. Furniture, towels, whatever. Buy it online, get it shipped to your house. Amazon furniture, but fancy. Okay. So the reason I want to tell you about this is it just blew my mind because you, you know my enjoyment of conspiracy theories. I'm not really a conspiracy theorist, but I love listening to them and I love researching them. I love crazy people too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of these. Yeah. Um, so this exploded three days ago. It's been all over Reddit and all over Twitter, and I'm shocked that you didn't somehow run across it in the last couple days. I've been trying to avoid social media lately. It's pretty toxic. Yeah, it's terrifying. Not that I don't love it, but yeah. Three days ago on the R Conspiracy subreddit, the user Princess Peach 1987 oh God. posted, is it possible Wayfair involved in human trafficking with their WFX utility collection, or are these just extremely overpriced, parentheses, note the names of cabinets, this makes me sick to my stomach if it's true sad face. I'm going to need you to explain all of this. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> basically what happened is whoever this person is, is locally involved in awareness of child trafficking. It's an honorable thing, but like in like might, actual child trafficking, which happens, or the conspiracy I, Pizzagate I, kind of... I, I believe in actual stuff, Okay, but I think that that led to a bias of possibly seeing things that may not exist towards that specific topic. Mm, oh, yeah. And it exploded because they posted on Reddit. So, this individual was, I'm assuming, just shopping on Wayfair, probably looking for something, happened to run across a couple of cabinets, and all these cabinets are named, like, Yaritza, Samaya, Bryn, Olivia. So they copied it from Ikea. Basically, yeah, but they're all, like, young female names for some reason, and most cabinets on Wayfair pretend they cost, like, 500 to $2,000. Right, I mean, this, like, luxury furniture online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 For some reason, these cabinets cost ten grand over what most cabinets cost. Okay. So they're like, 
an exorbitant amount of money for a cabinet. And we're talking something this size. Like, it is a 7 foot tall by 5 foot cabinet. Fucking what? For $14,000. But if this podcast doesn't take off, let's get into cabinet. I agree completely. Shit. Let's do that Kanye stuff where we sell a white (laughs) t-shirt for like a grand, right? Here's one shoe worth $4,000. I'm with you. Okay, I get what they're after. But like, why are those so expensive? So for some odd reason, this person decides to post on the conspiracy Reddit and is like, hey, I think because these cabinets have young female names and they are at least 10 grand above every other cabinet on there, what I think they're doing is Wayfair is involved in child trafficking. And when you order this, you get a child that is the name of this cabinet shipped in the cabinet to you. Babe, let's try it. I got 10 grand. Let's go. No. Shit. That was the leap in logic was, oh, $14,000 cabinet named Bryn. Obviously, I'm going to receive a child named Bryn. So this is is a crazy person posting some dumb shit and nothing should have come of it. It shouldn't have. Yes. (laughs) Of course, down in the thread, somebody's like, oh, hey, also Wayfair happened to the legitimate company that's been selling furniture that I think I've actually bought from for work. Sure. They also got hired on contract to do an ICE New Mexico immigrant detention center. The children in cages thing, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Good for them. Yeah, so Wayfair got a government contract, and they're like, hey, we're going to sell a whole bunch of furniture to them, um, and a whole bunch of employees, like hundreds of employees. They sent a letter of protest, and they're like, obviously, I'm not comfortable with this. Uh, Wayfair did it anyways. It's fucked up. Who, who wants to do that? Right. Why would if you supply the, if, sofas to people who are kidnapping if, children? If you're the kind of person who wants to make money off separating children from their parents, regardless yes. of race or nationality, like, take a good look at yourself. Yeah. So part of this whole conspiracy theory thought of the Wayfair child trafficking is people are like, okay, well, Wayfair has a contract with the government for a detention center. Access children, to children. Children go missing in the detention center. There is some disagreement whether they're actually gone missing or they've been released or reunited with their parents. Well, they don't keep track of every single... 1,800 kids have gone missing. Where did they go? Not they... accurate. This is... Anyway. Whatever. Conspiracy theoricians? What's the name? Conspiracy theorists. 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 <laughs> you try to make it sound way fancier like than they have they stethoscopes are. and yeah, shit. Right. Like they have degrees. That's Conspiracy cute. theorists don't care about facts. They want to find something that looks yes. weird and get crazy about it, which I actually kind of love about. Them. Oh, I, I appreciate it. So somebody down in the throat was like, "Oh yes, Wayfair. On top of these fourteen thousand dollar cabinets, they have a government contract with ICE detention centers on the U.S. Mexico border where children go missing. Obviously, these children who are going." missing are being put in cabinets bought online and then shipped to people for child trafficking. Wait, do these motherfuckers think that Mexican moms are so dumb they'd call their daughter Bryn? I I wasn't gonna... (laughs) Or Yuritsa. If they were selling $20,000 cabinets called, like, Carlita, yeah, I'd be concerned. Yes. This Redditor obviously did not delve into this, but was like, Wayfair equals ice detention furniture equals missing children equals I agree on the child trafficking. I love the rabbit hole. Let's go. Oh, same. So... Wayfair does, in fact, still have that contract. The employees still are upset about it, but in order to kind of make up for it, Wayfair started donating a whole bunch of money to the Red Cross. Irrelevant. What? That's literally what my reaction was. I was reading this article, and I was like, so Wayfair's donating money to the Red Cross to appease their employees who are upset about giving furniture to detention centers. How does the Red Cross positively affect giving these people really comfy sofas to sit on while they separate kids from their parents, but okay, cool. It's like somebody's foot's missing and you give them like a pair of nice gloves. Right. So, <laughs> Wayfair, you do you. I'm not here to judge. There's probably a lot of good people who work there, yada, 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 yada. Yeah, I definitely stalked Wayfair employees and their personal, not that I did this, but if I did, that's what I would say. 
You know names, don't you? No. <laughs> not going to post them. Okay. The employees are not happy about it, but obviously, during what's going on, need to stay employed. And Wafer did donate some money to some cause in some way, shape, or form to kind of try to make up for the fact that they are furnishing detention centers with very nice furnishings. And I don't yeah, think they're sure. going to the people in the detention centers. No, that's the executive offices. Yeah. 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 There are more important things in the world going on than the chair situation in the... In ICE detention offices. ICE detention offices, yeah. Yes. But... This could be a thing. There might be a Mexican mama called the kid Brynn. I don't fucking know. Right. And weirdly enough, somebody else discovered... Didn't discover. They just went to the Wafer website and realized it was like, Olivia, five, cabinet, 12, blah, blah, blah. People started realizing there were numbers after the names, which they correlated to some missing children's cases. So it's like, oh, there's a girl named Olivia who was seven, who had gone missing on this day. at some point. It turns out the two that they were able to correlate off of the wafer stuff were already cases that had been solved. One was a five-year-old who had already been found dead and had been solved in 2013. Listen, at this point, I don't care about the reality because we're obviously... Yes, but also, unironically, the reason there was a name and then a number was because it was a five-shelf unit, not because it was Bryn 5. I thought that was hilarious, but people evidently can't read. Most can't, I've learned. Yeah. Or less important than read. Most can't critically think. I would err on that side of things. It's bizarre and people need to find nefarious reasons for crazy things. And uh, Everyone's scared and they need comfort in things that make them feel as though they have a foundation and if their foundation is crazy yes. they're going to look for crazy answers. Yes. I, I can totally associate with that. I think a lot of people can. But that's why we have... Science and the internet and therapists? No, no, no. We go with therapists. All of those things we've worked for thousands of years to create and maintain because yes. they're very important keep us grounded. They're all run by liars yes. and probably the Jews, you know, like shit like that. Yeah, you know? it's, it's all crazy people. But the first person who actually like legitimately reported on this outside of Reddit, because this could have just stayed on the conspiracy subreddit and nobody would have thought about this, but this guy named Andrew Whalen, he's with Newsweek, he's a reporter, does all culture stuff. I have no idea if he is just hanging out on the conspiracy subreddit or is doing whatever, but he is the first person to actually legitimately report on this as a thing. Like the Wayfair child yeah. trafficking. He's like, oh, people believe in this because it started on the conspiracy subreddit and then all of a sudden it went to Twitter. Well, yeah, pay attention because that's how QAnon started. Right, literally, yeah. yeah. So it jumped to Twitter, people started like contacting Wayfair and reporting them for child abuse with the FBI. Wayfair's like, we're just trying to make money on the furniture that you right. guys are done with. They're like, I'm, just, I'm yeah. just selling furniture and like... I'm a marketer for chairs, what? Right. And they're, they're going nuts. <laughs> so this guy, Andrew, with Newsweek, legitimately did a full write-up on this entire thing and contacted, I think was her name, Princess Peach 1987. Great write-up. How I found most of my information. But more importantly, he's the reason that I found out about Halloween Kills. Oh, okay, yeah. So... He found out about the 2018 follow-up Halloween Kills. Like before any of us did. Oh, yeah. Rodent, and the teaser like, came out like today, yesterday. Yeah, wrote an article about it, which has been delayed till 2021. So I just want to thank Andrew Whalen for giving me a reason to live, evidently, because, mm-hmm. dear God, I need to see this. We love horror movies. Oh, yeah. May have a Michael Myers painting hanging up that I did for you. Oh, this this majestic beast right here. She she <laughs> projected and then like hand-painted this black and white portrait of Michael Myers in a graveyard with a knife. Not painted in white. It's on a white canvas in like blank relief. Anyway, so quit bragging about Sarah. Sarah, please. Sounds like this is going nowhere, right? And then somebody evidently spent enough time scouring the Wayfair website, which has hundreds of thousands of items, and discovered that once upon a time in 2016, somebody had left a review for a completely unrelated fireproof cabinet that was about $5,000, and they listed their location as Walnut Creek, California. That means nothing to me. (laughs) It meant nothing to me as well about 48 hours ago. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) We're going down the nut hole. 
the walnut hole. No idea. I'd never heard about the true crime case. And you know me, I obsessively follow true crime. Well, same. The name sounds familiar. Again, like Eddie Stella, right? Whatever. Uh, yes. But I don't know why. So December 2019, yeah. there was a 36-year-old man in Walnut Creek, California, who was a oral surgeon. And he... Uh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> Cassidy Laverini Doyle is his name. He stopped outside of a business, get a meeting at, you know, late in the afternoon. Not a lot of people there. The custodian was outside putting the trash away, and she had her two daughters with her, both below 12. And this random guy pulls up, gets out of his car, and tries to kidnap the mom. She starts screaming. She freaks out. The daughters start screaming. They freak out, and he stops. He's like, instead of me kidnapping you, I'll pay you $30,000 for your two daughters. Okay, this is a child raper with money. But I need to take them now. I'll return later and I will give you money. Obviously, the mom says, fuck you, you crazy bitch. No, I'm not going to give you my two prepubescent daughters. Fuck off. And she calls the cops. 30K is a lot to have floating around for a couple kids, unless he was just lying. Well, he said he had the money. He'd bring it back later. later. Okay, so he's just a yeah. Probably lives in his mom's basement. Yeah, I, I wound up stalking this information later, but it turns out, like, the original reason he'd been in that building was because he was in massive amounts of debt. Yeah, which, how do you get in debt as an oral surgeon? Like, aren't you extremely rich and performing, like, unnecessary cavity extractions upon people? But whatever. I don't know this. I mean, probably through lawsuits from, like, rape victims, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, he winds up circling the building. Uh, the cops stop him. Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. What was he driving again? I didn't actually research exactly what he was driving. It's very important to me. Uh, My understanding was it said van. It didn't say what kind of van. This is revisionist history here. Okay. Um, It was a white Astro van, the paneled kind. Definitely. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so December 9th, 2019, this guy tries to kidnap a woman and then offers money for her prepubescent daughters. Oh, fuck. This is now. Yeah. This This is a couple months ago. Yeah. In Walnut Creek, California. Keep in mind. Police stop in and question him. Not a big deal, but they do open an investigation because they're like, this is a little suspicious. You can't just subtly try to kidnap a woman and offer 30k for her two daughters. No. It's a little weird. Well, or you could be a manipulative poor son of a bitch. Yeah, but if you're trying to buy children, you're still going to have an investigation open on you. Well, you goddamn well should. I'm just saying 30k is probably not real. So they wound up arresting him on December 11th. Evidently, he had gone out of the country, came back into the country. He has receipts during that out-of-country visit regarding a child, like, I think it was a 10-year-old girl or something like that. Gets back in the country, is arrested on December 11th. Keep in this guy does have a wife. Of course he does. Doesn't have kids, does have a wife. They searched the home, and they found over 48, I think, secret video cameras and recording devices. Oh, fuck. All over. This is Epstein shit. Yeah. So they found ones in, like, photo frames, ones in TVs. Video and audio. Yeah, exactly. Ones in teddy bears, that kind of shit. The weirdest one was there was a plastic coat hook that had a camera embedded in it. Like a coat hanger. A coat hanger. I have a hundred of those. I know. So the one that is sitting right there somehow had a camera in it. Fuck me, there's one in the room. They also found 100 plus videos of child pornography in the house, including videos of the asshole named Cassidy Laravini Doyle performing acts upon a 10-year-old. Christ. Extremely illegal. Dirt, um, yeah. They still have not found the 10-year-old involved. Gah. We don't really know. Uncomfortable. Cutty, I had a weird issue and irritation with people calling child pornography pornography. I know this because of Bill Hicks. Okay. The legal definition of pornography is a work of media with no artistic merit that only serves to stimulate sexual thought. Mm, okay. The classic Bill Hicks line is, well, that sounds like just about every advertisement on TV. He's not wrong. 
the thing that I have noticed is that if there is a film with sex in it, mm-hmm. that by that definition qualifies as pornography, right? There's, it's not artistic. It's just about no. making people jack off, right? But then somebody dies in it. Somebody gets killed in it. They don't call it a murder pornography film. They call it a snuff film. And everyone goes, oh, snuff. Ugh. But if there's a child in it, they call it child pornography. They still include that verbal caveat that it could be jacked off to. That's what bothers me. Yeah. Like, I can understand that maybe somebody who has a psychological disorder of pedophilia, they do view that as pornography. And so they're qualifying it as such by the English language. Sure. That's fucked up. Right. Call it child rape movie. Yes. Let's... It's not porn. Porn is usually something that at least some person in some way, shape, or form hopefully consented to. But I'm not going to get into right now the industry of pornography. And... Body is episode one. Yeah. I'm not, not, <laughs> yeah. not getting into that, but... Any film that involves a very clearly non-consensual act mm-hmm. should no longer be considered pornography. It should be considered evidence. Agreed. I agree. That's where I stand. Yes. So, this is still about uh, an e-commerce website. I, I don't know where we were. Um, Cassidy, Laravini Doyle, oral surgeon asshole. Ass oral. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We Sorry. reached that level. Where we left off, hundreds of videos yeah. of obviously non-consensual child rape, including him in the videos. They also found it in a house hypodermic needles, zip ties, formula bottles for infants, even though he did not have a child. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and a meat cleaver. Not like in the kitchen. Wait, was this motherfucker chopping up babies? We don't know. <sighs> this just happened in December. He's currently in Contra Costa County Jail. He's awaiting charges on human trafficking, child porn possession, and attempted kidnapping. Damn. Which is kind of how his story started. He is in jail right now. Better be. But the reason we started talking about this crazy guy and this evidently crazy child trafficking was because somebody on a conspiracy subreddit went onto a e-commerce site and searched through all of their reviews and found somebody who reviewed a fireproof cabinet in 2016 happened to be from Walnut Creek, California, where this crazy sex trafficker guy was also from, which leads back to somehow Wayfair being culpable for child trafficking. Oh, shit. Because they're selling $14,000 cabinets. We've come full circle! So, yeah. <laughs> I, I found with conspiracy theories, the deeper you get, you have to, like, re-remember exactly why this is a thing. Like, how right. did we end up on this actual legitimate child trafficking case? Did that rapey oral surgeon have a cabinet in his house? Whoa. As far as we know, he'd never purchased anything from Wafer that we know of. Fuck! I know. It has been reported on Newsweek. It has then been reported on People.com and, of course, Moms.com and Twitter and... What's Moms. I don't care. A parental website for I, mothers. I assume so. I'm not going further than that because I don't plan on having kids and it's none of my business. Word. A user also found and suggested, and I'm going to read this from my notes because this is so bizarre that I need to get it correct. Go to the website called Yandex, which is evidently the... I know Rus- Yandex. It's Russian Google. Yeah. And you have to search SRC space USA space insert the skew of any of the Wayfair items. Wait, on Yandex, SRC... So source. Yeah. Space USA for United States of America. Right. Space insert the skew for any of the items on Wayfair. You know more about the Yandex syntax than I do at this point. Well, it turns out the reason this user is posting this is because if you did search that, a whole bunch of images of children popped up. Like innocent ones or like porny ones? N- not porny ones. Yeah. So images of kids, images of kids in bathing suits, I think was the most scandalous thing that I read. I obviously did not go deep into this hole because I don't want the FBI knocking at my door tomorrow. This... I was trying to get into Pizzagate and I was like, wait, All right. <laughs> I'm searching for like child porn pizza on Google. The reason this whole thing. 
thing this is very interesting to talk about is there are plenty of conspiracy theories about child sex trafficking, but there are also legitimate issues with child sex trafficking. No, child trafficking is fucking real. The problem is, is all these jackasses on Reddit or, well, I don't know about Reddit, specifically 4chan. Yes. Child trafficking is a real thing. It's a whole industry. It's a billion dollar industry. It happens everywhere around us. It's terrible and we need to stop it. And we keep getting sidetracked because everyone goes, well, this one pizza advertisement, blah, blah, blah. Yes. So, so in, for those interested who are listening, Google, but don't go too deep into the whole, like, Todd and I do about Pizzagate. It's a whole thing. Maybe we'll do a joint episode where we both research and find what we want to talk about on it. I kind of um, like that debate where I'm, like, on the side of Pizzagate or you're against, or do you want to be on the side of Pizzagate? Not like... I will never be on the side of four Pizzagate. You're Here's both. the thing, watch. Sexy kids are great. <laughs> Buddy, don't even... <laughs> you, you went there. You went there. This is... Okay. Anyways. <laughs> Sorry. Um, point is, somebody did happen to search on Yandex, which also evidently does kind of bypass all the Google safeguards of... Doesn't always include porn, doesn't always include naked stuff. They're Some, fucking Russian. They don't care. Evidently, you can search a lot of stuff on Yandex and get results that you wouldn't necessarily want to get on Google. Again, not delving into this, it sounds like enough people did it for me where the results are sad and terrifying. Yeah. However, you can also evidently search SRC, any country code, so UK or anything, and then any sort of numbers, and you find pictures that you probably don't want to see. And also, there is a modeling agency in Russia called SRC Modeling, which has a section of children in very tasteful clothing. Oh. Who are SRC models. So most of those pictures are actually from a legitimate Russian children's modeling agency. Clothing catalog. Yes. That kind of thing. It's yeah, a, yeah, a yeah, JCPenney's yeah. 1990s catalog. Yeah. How are you going to sell a kid-sized bathing suit without taking a photo of a kid in a right. bathing suit? They're reaching. So at this point, we've got a person who is involved, supposedly, according to them, in child trafficking awareness, let's say, uh, Princess Peach, 1987, posted a completely nebulous question. Is it possible Wayfair is involved in human trafficking? Girl Look names. at these exorbitantly priced cabinets with girl names. That table over there is called, like, Nord. Right. I'd fuck a guy called Nord. I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Chick posting random shit on Reddit. Somehow this devolves into, obviously, they're shipping children in a $14,000 cabinet. Fucking clearly. How do you even do that? Well, you put them in the cabinet. How do you even guarantee that this kid is going to survive from point A to point B? Well, you put some food and water in there. It's completely... No, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Somebody couldn't understand why you would pay for an industrial cabinet for $14,000. I'm just saying for fourteen dollars I could figure out how to ship a kid in the cabinet. I I could do a lot of shit for (laughs) (laughs) $14,000. Then it goes to, um, somebody had a firebox for $5,000 in Walnut Creek, California, or whatever, which happened to be the site of a genuine human trafficker who is in jail currently. Yes. Filming child pornography with him. And also associated with ICE, with missing children. Oh, Wayfair does. Their couches. Sends couches to wow. ice. And now we've ended up with questioning Wayfair as to are they involved in child trafficking? So because they happen to furnish detention centers. Where kids go missing. There was a review from somebody who lived in Walnut Creek, California in 2016. Sure. Somebody from Walnut Creek. Was a raper. Was a raper. Whoa, hold on, hold on, whoa. So it wasn't even like somebody called Princess Peach 1980 shit. Nope. It was just that there happened to be a review from that town mm-hmm. on Wayfair. Yep. That town and happened to And then they have... Googled Walnut Creek child trafficking. Oh my God. And there happened to be a true crime case involving a guy who was involved with child trafficking. I mean, we're talking about walls covered with yarn and thumbtacks. This is, oh yeah, this is, this is connections upon connections <laughs> upon somebody on Reddit got drunk and fucked up and took some mushrooms and was like, obviously. Are we full circle now? I think we're almost full circle. Is there more? 
So, Andrew Whalen, the guy who wrote the Newsweek article who told us about Halloween kills, they reached out to Wayfair, and Wayfair obviously provided the statement. There is, of course, no truth to these claims. The products in question are industrial-grade cabinets that are accurately priced, recognizing that the photos and descriptions provided by the supplier did not adequately explain the high price point. We've temporarily removed the products from site to rename them and to provide a more in-depth description and photos that accurately depict the product to clarify the price point. So they're going to have a professional photographer take photos of the exact make quality of these things. If you look at it like a photo of a cabinet, you're not going to go, this is worth 10 grand. So they're going to hire some pro photographer to take like really sexy photos of the cabinet. Is the idea? I would like to point out that despite them giving that statement, they did remove every single one of those cabinets from their website. Oh, fuck. Here are the original postings. Okay, these are the ones that were deleted? Mm-hmm. Those look like Ikea shelves. So, these industrial cabinets... Oh, no. As they have said, they've been temporarily removed to rename them and to provide a more in-depth reason for the price point. I don't believe in the conspiracy, but I would like to note these cabinets and many more items that were exorbitantly priced for no reason, including, for example, one that was named after a girl who was kidnapped in 2013, which was an astrological, I believe, a shower curtain? Uh, like, with stars on it and shit? Yeah, it was like $9,000 versus most shower curtains, which was like $100. Yeah. All of them have been removed. Oh, fuck. Damn, that's weird. That's my topic. That was good, dude. <laughs> that was good. I did not expect that. I thought we were going to talk about the history of Care Bears. <laughs> I almost... I should. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> it's probably really interesting, man. Like, I don't know. Please keep me posted on the Wayfair oh, Conspiracy. I will. I will. I've been checking this Shit. daily. Shit. Yeah. All right. Internet furniture child molestation conspiracy theory. Cool story, bro. 69-foot concrete dick coming out of the water, saving people's lives. Cool story, bro. 